This episode is brought to you by our Fresh Start Full Mastery Program, a seven-month intensive and personalized growth program coming soon, designed to help you take complete ownership and fully embody a powerful, positive parenting way of life. Join the waitlist now to get instant access to the no-holds-barred cheat sheet, three common mistakes and beliefs that hold parents back from reaching full fluency as an empowered parent. Just head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash full mastery to join the waitlist where in addition to the free cheat sheet, you'll also get special pricing and other bonuses when the program launches in April. Well, hey there, families. Who is ready to talk about raising kids to erase racism? I am so excited for this episode, you guys. Terry and I had the honor of interviewing Dr. Dana Crawford, who is just such a light in the world and is doing incredible work. She's a pediatric and clinical psychologist, and she's also the developer of Crawford Bias Reduction Theory and Training, which is a systematic approach to reducing bias, prejudice, and racism. And she's, gosh, just such an inspiration. Um, She has thriving practice in private practice in Manhattan, New York, and she has treated patients with high incidences of trauma from all over the nation. She's a graduate of Howard Temple and Miami Universities and has degrees in counseling, African-American studies, psychology, and the arts. She also has certification in practical nursing, and finally she's completed her pediatric psychology residency at Tulane University School of Medicine. She's also done a two-year clinical fellowship with the United States Department of Defense and a two-year fellowship with the Center for Early Connections at Tulane University. She's recently worked with the National Black Caucus to create legislation for black maternal health equity, and she's also appeared on a plethora of news platforms, conducted over 100 trainings and presentations nationally in private, public, and government sectors. So you can tell with that type of inspirational and incredible bio, we are just feel very honored to have Dr. Crawford on our show and um, just the wisdom she, she brings and the practical tips that she gives us today on how we can raise the next generation of human souls to really be um, anti-racist and to erase racism is just so valuable and I think really going to bless you today. So I want to start this um, you know before we, we start the show, I want to just quickly touch on the fact that um, you know here at Fresh Start Family we have um, just had the honor of being part of a uh, diversity and equity training program with your infinite life. That's the life coaching group that I'm, um, we both, Terry and I both are really involved with and we just love, they're like family to us. And um, it's just been, it's been so cool as I've been going through the diversity and equity training with them, learning about all these terms um, like white privilege, white supremacy, anti-racism, equity versus equality, white fragility, micro aggressions as like what we're talking today raising anti-racist kids but all these kind of terms and discussions that I know I was not super familiar with before and now as our nation and our world really starts to raise it's kind of has a it, it kind of feels like we're having a conscious awakening around racism and racial inequality I know it is absolutely nothing new and it definitely almost feels like shameful to say Say that for some of us, this is a new thing that we're like, wow, we need to talk about this. Um, and that's the truth, right? That's an example of a blind spot that so many of us have. That term is another one I've been learning about and and um, just really had my eyes opened to what it means. Um, but I really believe, families, that you can view this as divisiveness, something that can split our nation and our world these kind of discussions and these terms, or you can view it as something that will unify us as a nation, as a world, as brothers and sisters in humanity. And that's how we choose to see it here at Fresh Start Family. So I encourage you to open your heart and to be part of the team that says, this is about unification and I am committed to learning and growing and doing my part to be 
um, active in the positive change that our world so desperately needs. So we do believe here at Fresh Start Family that Black Lives Matter, and we also are here to support you if you are learning about many of the terms, if you happen to have white skin and you're learning about these new terms like white privilege or anti-racist or, um, you know, white fragility, or there's so many terms that I think are new to many of us who have white skin, and I think it can trigger you to kind of go on the defensiveness. That's then it, that's an example of that term white fragility, which I just recently learned about, which means like when someone calls our nation, let's say springs up the fact that our nation has elements of racism, if we're talking about the United States, sometimes that can trigger in you, especially if you have white skin, to say, no, it's not, no, it's not, <laughs> um, and have it feel like an attack. And that's an example where, you know, we get real fragile and feel like we can't have discussions around it, which is absolutely false. Uh, we can absolutely have discussions around race and racism. And um, it's just really, not only can we do it, it's important that we do it. And so we are committed to doing everything we can here at Fresh Start Family to learn and grow and expand our hearts and be part of the positive change that our world um, needs and that our brothers and sisters of black and brown skin colors um, have been, been crying out for for a long time and are definitely um, since you know especially since George Floyd's death now we're realizing this is something that we really need to be active contributing members um, of so thank you so much for listening to this episode and um, I just want you to know that if you feel triggered by some of those terms and you have a tendency to think well those type of terms divide us as a country I want to encourage you that this is a safe place Fresh Start Family is a safe place for you to explore those feelings um, I encourage you if you have those feelings not to stop listening but to actually keep listening because Dr. Crawford is so amazing and during in this episode, she is going to help you realize that by talking about and, and addressing some of these issues when it comes to raising the next generation of anti-racist kids, um, that it is that it is a wonderful conversation to have. And she's gonna, you know, come empower you to have choices about how you can contribute. And and it's just a wonderful conversation. It's a great way to get started and, or to continue um, your work if you are someone who is as um, committed to being part of the positive change like I am, like I know Terry is, like I know my team is. And it's just, I'm just really grateful that you're here. So without further ado, Enjoy this episode and um, make sure you share it with friends and family and let me know your thoughts. I always, always love to get emails from you guys. Um, shoot me an email, send me a DM on Instagram. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it out. Leave a review over at iTunes and make sure you subscribe. We appreciate every single review that you send our way um, and we always love, love, love to hear your thoughts. All right, families, enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. We are beyond thrilled and humbled and honored to be here today with Dr. Dana Crawford. Welcome, Dana. Hi. Welcome. Yes. So, families, today we are going to be talking about raising kids to erase racism. And Dr. Crawford is going to be talking to us about three subpoints of that, as well as a lot of other things that we are so excited to talk to her about. Um, number one, teaching kids to actively oppose racism does not take away their innocence. Number two, how helping children behave as anti-racist starts very young. And then number three, how parents are the best people to teach their kids anti-racist behaviors. And so, um, I think we'll start off today, Dr. Crawford, with just kind of being open and honest and vulnerable with you. 
around the idea that, oh my gosh, as we were preparing for this episode today, again, I can't express how much just in awe and um, how humbled we are that you are on our show because I just am I'm so grateful that for the work that you're doing in the world, um, what you've dedicated your life to, the amount of um, you know, you've worked so hard to get to where you are and create the programs that you've done and the speaking that you do. And so it's just a real honor. And I will say that I felt nervous coming to the table. This is the first episode that we're doing on race. And it's such a, a sacred topic that, you know, it's like, I think probably so many people share this who have white skin, but it's like, you just don't want to get this one wrong. And what I'm learning from the programs I'm in um, around racial equity and inclusiveness, and then also the books I've been just loving, is that you just do it. You doesn't matter, right? So if, if you know, I want to say to all the listeners today, thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about this. I really want this episode to be a mandatory listen. This is not optional. Um, this is something that we all need to be part of the conversation and. As we talk today, it's like, you know, if we if we get some things wrong, that's okay. Dr. Crawford's going to say, hey, maybe say it this way or that way. But um, it just feels vulnerable. And here at Fresh Start Family, we love that. <laughs> yeah, that probably means it's a good thing. And that, um, I mean, anybody who's listening knows that we're, um, we're advocates for, for change. And um, when there's an opportunity to do it in our own home as a way to... You know, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, but what can I do about this subject or that subject? Well, it starts in the home. So here we are. Um, yes. So thank yeah. you so much for coming on. For, for <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, and even when, you know, when I we were talking about the subject matter and, and the topic of this one, um, I, even as, you know, we we're, you know, looking at the subject, I was like, uh, okay, raising, that, raising kids to erase right. racism. And then after we settled on that, I was like, wait a second. We don't want to erase the history uh, here, right? And so I think you start to stumble upon your words and we don't want to end up like, you know, what I've seen like happen with Tiananmen Square, for example, where college students there literally are not educated about the past. So even that little thing where we're like, oh my gosh, is that the right subject matter? But I think what I wanted to, to kick this episode off with, and then I want to pass the mic over to you so you can kind of just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up here and how your passion developed um, to, to be such an educator on this is I think our intention of coming to the table today as Fresh Start Family is to inspire all of our listeners and families to take part every day, to take action, to understand that we are all responsible for contributing to positive change around raising anti-racist kids. And then our purpose also today is to soak up all your incredible wisdom and knowledge so we can then go out and get ourselves educated right i've read that you know it's like want to make sure we honor you that it is it is not anyone um that your job right is not um someone with black skin to, to educate us to constantly be it's our job <laughs> to educate ourselves and to raise to really be committed to raising our kids in this way that's going to make uh, have a contribution to positive change in the world. Um, so will you just kick us, you know, tell us, kick us off with, tell us about your journey. How did you, how did you get to where you are? And so cool to find out that we actually were raised almost in the same town. So in Maryland. Yeah, so. we just did one of those small world things right before we started recording. <laughs> so yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so first and foremost, I want to just say, Terry and Wendy, I feel you about the anxiety. To me, anxiety is a sign that I care about something. It matters to me. Um, and wanting to really do this right, I think, if, of course, we're going to feel some anxiety because there is so much history. So for me, my path to doing this work, um, it's an untraditional one. So I went to grad school um, and decided to get a PhD. But well before that, when I was in high school, I was part of this program for at-risk kids. And I don't know what I was really at risk for, probably just being poor. Um, and so the program allowed me to go to nursing school um, for two years and get my high school graduate, like my degree. And so I became a nurse and um, a high school graduate in the same week. I was 17. Um, and my goal was to get my MD. And so I worked in a nursing home for the summer before I started undergrad and during my, my winter, spring, summer breaks. And as I worked as a nurse, I realized when I had time to talk to my patients, 
they got better. So I became really interested in the talking cure and less interested in medicine. I always say I like to touch people's hearts, not necessarily their bodies. <laughs> um, and so I changed my major from biology to um, psychology. And as I started studying, studying psychology, I realized that there were many elements that didn't include um, my world, my experiences, the things that were impacting my emotional journey in the world. I didn't see myself. Um, and I agreed with more of the human side of psychology, but it didn't really ring true for the black experience, for my experience as a woman. It didn't ring true for my experience of my peers that were part of the LGBTQIA community. And so I picked up another major of African-American studies. So I had this double major. And if you know anything about psychology, if you have a bachelor's in psychology, someone's going to be your boss forever. So I said, you know, I need to get my doctorate um, because I have way too much outspoken to always have a boss. But I wasn't really ready. Um, and so I decided I'll do a master's. And so I moved from D.C. I had gone to Howard for undergrad. So I moved to Philly, um, to Philadelphia to do a master's. And at the time, I was really into poetry. Like, I've always been into poetry. It's been like my artsy side. So I was like doing all these poetry open mics. I was running this group and we had like this art gallery space and, and we would do like spoken word events. Um, and I was rapping. I wasn't that good as a rapper. Um, but I was like doing these rhymes and hosting these events. And life was like amazing. And so I was riding my bike to a hip hop cypher to like rap with my friends and um, someone read a, ran a red light and they hit me and I almost died. And so I'm like laying in the middle of this crosswalk and these people are arguing over my body as I'm bleeding, arguing over who um, was going to say they were driving. And I could hear this conversation with the ambulance coming. Um, and I was just laying there thinking, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, like, I don't want to be a 70 year old rapper. No disrespect to people who are 70 and can still rap. I wasn't that good. It wasn't going to be a longevity career. Um, and so I decided to go and do my Ph.D. And so I was applying to schools all over the country and I came across Miami University. And so I was like, ooh, Miami from Philly, like, oh, beaches, this is going <laughs> to yeah. be great. Like, yes. And so all of my mentors, every time I would ask for a letter of recommendation and they would see Miami on the list, they would go like, really, Dana, you don't seem like you're Miami University material. And I was like, what? I am so Miami. So I went yes. to mail my application and um, the address on, on, for the school was Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. <laughs> so I called um, and I was like, hey, so Something's wrong with your website. You only have your Ohio address. I need your Florida address. And they were like, Miami University existed before Florida was a state. Um, this is Miami <laughs> University of Ohio. Awesome. So I had amazing. already done all of the research for this school. I had already paid. You know, I was like, well, let me just go and see this little school and see what it's about. And I went and it was surrounded by cornfields and llama farms. I didn't even know llamas had farms. No um, and so it was a really good research fit. And I really liked the program. And I said, you know what, if I go to school in Miami, Florida or any other city, I'm just going to be rapping and doing poetry. I'm not going to be focused. What better place in the world than the cornfields of America to um, focus on my doctorate? And so I was one of the first black students in over 10 years that had been accepted to the program. Wow. The program was extraordinarily white. Um, the town was about 20,000 students and, as they called them, townies. Um, and only 350 of the undergrads were black students. And I knew like 347 of them. Um, <laughs> and so having that experience, mm -hmm. I noticed that um, a lot of the white people that I was getting to know were really well-intentioned, but they just hadn't been around black folks before. Um, they didn't have personal relationships. And so I would experience things that felt like racism, but it wasn't like the racism that I grew up or I studied. It wasn't like the Klan. It wasn't those black and white images of like a dog and like fire hoses. It wasn't that. It was like, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. Or where are you really from? Um, where, where are your parents from? And I'm like, Maryland. Um, and so those kind of experiences, I realized like this is a face of racism, but it it wasn't malicious. It wasn't intentional. And I really learned that I know some really lovely races. And to this day, some of my best friends are some of my favorite races. My kids call them auntie and uncle. Um, and so realizing that racism is a human condition, um, that we all categorize people and based on our experiences, it may be about race, it may be about gender, it may be about religion, it may be about uh, sexual orientation. It really depends on what 
you're exposed to. And so I really realized that racism, prejudice, and bias is a socially transmitted disease that we are all infected with, and it's transmitted socially. It's just how you have it, how does it manifest in your life, not if. Um, and so it's a shift between, you know, not being a good or a bad person. It's just like, how are you racist? How are you prejudiced? Not if. Um, and so that's kind of my journey and how I got to this work. That's a, a very short version of a really long and some other degrees in there as well. But that's the short of it. Parents, listen up. There is something very special coming soon that I'm really excited to tell you about. And that is our Fresh Start Full Mastery Program, where you will spend seven months getting personally mentored by me, learning, growing, and being poured into on every level as a parent. This program is very limited in seats due to its high level of support and mentorship. So if you're interested at all in expediting your journey from stressed to thriving as a parent, and you want to step into full ownership, embodiment, and advocacy as an empowered parent, I encourage you to go ahead and sign up for the waitlist to be notified when this program opens for enrollment. As a bonus for hopping on the waitlist, I'll send you my no-holds-barred cheat sheet, where I sum up the three most common fears and beliefs that hold parents back from reaching full fluency as an empowered, thriving parent. Plus, parents on the waitlist will get a special discount and bonuses when the program opens for enrollment in April. Just head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash full mastery to hop on the waitlist now and I'll send you more details. Oh my gosh, that's an incredible story. And tell us what you spend your days now doing, Dr. Crawford. Yeah, so it's a lot of different things. I don't even know how many jobs I have. So um, (laughs) my primary job is I do research and I do trainings mostly around the country. Um, Now, because of Zoom, I can be in like three states in one day. Um, And so my goal is to help organizations, to help systems, to help therapists, to help physicians, teachers, everyone that is interested in this work, learn how to become anti-racist, anti-bias, anti-prejudice. Um, so that's one role as a trainer, um, as a scholar. The other is I have a private practice um, in Manhattan on the Upper West Side, and I see primarily black women and members of color of the LGBTQIA community. Um, the other side of it is I'm a professor, and I also see pediatric patients. Um, but my job that I think takes the most energy is I'm a mom. I have two roommates that are my children that live with me um, and they don't pay rent and they don't clean up after themselves. They're one and a half and four. um, And they constantly give me wonderful opportunities to engage in anti-racist parenting. How are you even awake right now? That's a um, lot. I also drink an insane amount of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to I take a sip. I should probably invest. <laughs> One and a half and four. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It was already an honor to be sitting here with you. And now it's like, oh, my gosh. Wow. That is just incredible. Thank you for sharing all of that. Well, hey there, families. I want to take a moment to encourage you to go check out the Fresh Start Family Shop. You can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash recommend, or you can just head to the website freshstartfamilyonline.com and click the shop page on the upper navigation bar. This shop has a compilation of all of my favorite books and resources for parents who are actively learning about positive parenting and wanting to implement the strategies and curriculum into their home. I also have all of our courses that we offer here at Fresh Start Family on that page so you can easily learn about ways you can step into a formal online education program with Fresh Start Family. We even have our new firm and kind parent blueprint over there, which is a super affordable $27 program that will teach you four steps to setting firm limits and sticking to them consistently with your kids. So they will cooperate more and listen better without you having to rely on fear, force, bribery, and rewards. So without further ado, go check that out families and enjoy the rest of this episode. Awesome. Okay. And then you actually also created an anti-bias program, right? And that is called, tell us again, what's that called and where are you implementing that into? 
Yeah, so it's the Crawford bias reduction theory and training. So the theory you just heard about that, you know, categorizing humans is a human condition, it's socially transmitted. Um, and the training really walks people through a systematic way to reduce their bias, prejudice, and racism because we learn it through systems. So to unlearn it, we also have to have a system and an approach. So it really builds on the previous work of multiculturalism that you have to be aware, you have to be cultural humble, but that's the first step. And that's where a lot of the work stops. You know, when you read all of these books, it's like the right attitude, um, realizing your beliefs as your, your biases, but then what? You know, you leave these trainings and you feel so guilty. I know my white brothers, sisters, and non-binary siblings often talk about guilt. They don't know how to navigate it. It's like, I don't want to offend. I want to get it right. It's all the things that you started with, Wendy, it's sacred. Um, so then what? So the next piece of the model moves beyond the original work of multiculturalism to then investigate. Investigate what? What triggers you? What makes you activate bias, prejudice, and racism? What is it? What's the thing? Is it someone's race? Is it their size? Is, is it their gender? Is it how they speak? Like, what gets you in that space? And then how does it manifest? Like, how do you respond? Do you respond in your feelings, in your behaviors, in your thoughts, and you get so intellectual? Or is it in your body and your heart is beating fast and you're like sweating and you're tense and you're like, I don't know what to say and like all of that stuff? Um, and then lastly, how do you actively reduce the impact of racism, prejudice, and bias, not just within yourself, um, intrapersonally, but interpersonally within your relationships um, and also within the systems that you work in. So it's all three of those pieces, awareness, investigation, and reduction. Okay, the Crawford bias reduction theory and training. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, let's get going um, with our subject matter. So um, tell us, let's start off with point number one of raising kids to erase racism. And I think, you know, what and I gosh, just everything you spoke to is so beautiful to help listeners. I think really just become comfortable with this topic, right? I I, I sense this, I feel this a lot um, with you know uh, maybe listeners or um, students who are a part of our foundations course or our bonfire membership program. There seems to be like this uncomfortableness with this, you know, these words, right? These words that we're all learning now. That is. It, or automatically I go so to shame so easily that it's like, we're just now learning this. How are we just now learning this, right? But words like, you know, racism, anti-racist, white privilege, right? Um, you know, all these things that I think people have a tendency to become a little defensive or flare up about. So I think, as we again, we were talking about like, well, everyone listening, we're, we're trying to raise kids to help erase racism, right? So how do we do that? And um, kick us off with number one, um, teaching kids to actively oppose racism does not take away their innocence. And so I, I hope you guys, as you, you'll hear Dr. Crawford speak that, you know, your, your shoulders just settle. And again, this is not about um, an accusatory, like you're doing it wrong. It's about encouraging you how you can make a difference, how we can all become aware of some of our blind spots, um, which I know our, our pastor, Miles McPherson, talks so much about in his book, The Third Option. But we just be, let's become aware. Let's have these open hearts as we listen to Dr. Crawford today to not be defensive. And I know it's hard, right? You, you want to kind of say, but but I promise you we are. You know, I, I remember um, just a, a few months ago, we were talking about this in our, our Bonfire membership group. And um, and I asked my, my members, I said, do you know, have you guys noticed bias at all in your children? And, and a mama said, she said, no, there is absolutely, there's nothing. My, my kids are so young, they, they don't see color, they don't see anything, they just, um, and so, you know, I kind of converse, you know, engaged in conversation with her a little bit, and I said, it's, you know, it seems like that, right? And then so many, so many studies I've seen where it yeah, actually yeah, is there that we don't realize, right? And you could tell she was just very like, no, it's just, but it's I, not there, right? <laughs> so I, I love this idea of just becoming aware and, um, and having our hearts open to learning because we may think we know, but we really, we really don't. <laughs> so talk to us about this first point. Teaching kids to actively oppose racism does not take away their innocence. 
Yeah. And Wendy, I want to back up to the point you make about the defensiveness. And I, I think it's important to speak to where that comes from to reduce it. So number one, it's because so many people tie up being racist with being a good or a bad person mm-hmm. as if it's a moral issue. You know, like you can be racist, prejudiced and biased and still a good person. Like it's yes. not about your character. It's not about your morals. It has to do with what you've been exposed to and what you know and what you don't know. Right. So I think that kind of lets us have a little bit like, hey, I know some lovely racists. Some of my best friends are racist, you know, Um, and it's not a it's not a fixed identity. You know, you could be racist at three o'clock and then at at four o'clock, you could be anti-racist, you know, because it's so fluid and there's so many nuances. You know, I think about racism. It's always morphing and evolving and changing. And like you've done all this work and then a new war happens and there's a whole new group of people to be biased towards. right? Right. And so it's always shifting. I think the other part of defensiveness comes in when we think about only one type of racism. So individual racism, and I think what your friend is defending, has to do with the way that you think about people. So if their kids are not thinking like, oh, I'm better than this person because I'm white and they're black, they're like, no, my kids aren't racist. But there's so many other forms of racism besides the individual thoughts that you have. You know, there's interpersonal racism. So maybe that child hasn't been exposed to someone who is from another country with an accent. And so then they make that weird comment like, oh, they speak weird, so I don't want to be their friend, you know, Mm, and that's more interpersonal. And that's not because they think that way. It's just their experiences. Then we have cultural racism, then we have systemic, structural, you know, all of these other types. So I think that's important, too. So when families say or someone says, I don't have individual racism, they're defending that they don't have those kinds of thoughts. Mm. Um, But we are all infected with other ways that um, racism gets inside of us when we don't even recognize it. The research shows babies as young as three months show preference for the faces of their caregivers' background. So if your mom is is black, then you prefer to see black faces. And I think that has to do with like milk. This woman who's black gives me milk, changes my diaper and makes me feel warm. I like people that look like that because I'm three months old and I can't discern more information than that. Just feed me, hold me, love me. Um, And so we also see as kids continue to get older and older, um, they mimic the same beliefs as their parents. So if their parents think things like colorblind is great, we don't see color. Um, First of all, you should probably go to an ophthalmologist if you don't see color. That's problematic. Um, You really should be able to see color color in the world. It's like so many beautiful things. Like you're not seeing trees or green and flowers. Like that's a problem. Yes. I wish you could colors. Um, And I think the other thing is by saying, I don't see color, it really does um, make it that race doesn't matter, that color doesn't matter. It matters to me. It's important to me. I value it. It has similar to saying, I don't see gender. Um, I don't see education. Well, I went to school and have a lot of student loans to prove that it matters. Um, And so seeing these differences are not a bad thing. But that comes from the movement in the 80s and 70s and the 90s about like, we are all equal. We should all be colorblind, like that idea. And so we were really taught to be afraid to have these conversations, that it was even offensive to call someone black, to say racist. Like these were like so taboo in the 80s and 90s. And we're the generation that came from that. So then the idea that our kids might have to address this, we get really worried that it'll take their innocence away. But, you know, our kids are exposed to so many different things that are about growing up. You know, there is a reality, you know, one might say it takes their innocence away to have to learn how to to bathe themselves. It takes their innocence away to learn how to walk to school by themselves. It takes their innocence away to learn how to do chores. And I assure you, all of us as parents need to be getting on that, you know, kids need to do these things. Um, So for parents really early on, I really encourage them and invite them to think of anti-racism as an active parenting process. And often racism has the ability to make us feel frozen and feel like we can't do things um, that we're not capable of engaging. And I don't think any parent should ever feel frozen in what their beliefs are and how they want them to be communicated to their children. Awesome. So I I, I love hearing all of that, but could you uh, describe to me what it looks like to um, actively oppose racism, like in, in the house, like when, you know, Mm -hmm. listeners are thinking about their kids, like, give me a scenario of like, how does that look? Is that like reacting to a news story in front of your kids a certain way? Is that like, 
creating certain environments or conversations? What does that look like to you? Yeah, so I think it's two things you have to consider. One, it's the developmental stage of the child. So how old are they and just their development. And then the second is what environment you're in. So I live in New York, so I have a plethora of opportunities to discuss, you know, racism, prejudice, bias, um, different developmental stages, homelessness, um, LGBTQIA, like it's everywhere in our entire environment. But if you live in an environment similar to where I grew up, then it has to be more curated. It has to be in your books. It has to be in your friends. It has to be in the things that you're exposing your kids to. So, you know, for some people, the environment naturally creates those conversations. And then um, for others, it has to be more intentional. But it's not even just about New York. It's, you know, New York is very segregated as well. So there are some points that still have to be very intentional. But thinking developmentally, so as a child gets older, I provide more and more information. So if I'm talking with my four-year-old, and this is a real conversation we just had, um, we were watching Ni Hao Kai Lan, um, which is a story about a little girl from China. Um, and so we, she had like watched it on Nanny Tablet because I was working and we're all sheltering in place and have no child care. So I was like, go to Nanny Tablet and watch, oh you know, Ni Hao Kai Lan. Um, and so afterwards, she was like, I want Chinese hair. I want Chinese hair. And I said, um, what's Chinese hair? And she said, it's black and it's straight. And I said, oh, you want black and straight hair. Um, my daughter is has really curly, beautiful, flowy hair. And I said, oh, you want straight and black hair? And she said, yes. And I was like, one, your hair is never going to do that, but fine. That's a whole <laughs> thing for when you're a teen. Um, your curls are amazing. The world will worship them when you're a teenager. You will love them for today. Yes, yes. Um, at four, that means you want black and straight hair. And she was like, yes, Chinese hair. And I said, no, we say black hair. And and I said, because if you say Chinese hair, someone who is Chinese might feel bullied. And she goes, I'm not a bully. And I said, that's why you're going to say black hair. Um, And so like really giving her concrete language and creating that boundary is so crucial, but also just normalizing the conversation. So at that young age, kids know about bullying, you know, like all the schools are giving them that information. You don't have to come up with a new curriculum. You can just go on and borrow from the little posters that are in the school. (laughs) You know, we don't bully. Um, We're not bystanders. We speak up. We're allies. And that's the same thing with racism. So as a kid gets older, I start to say, you know, racism is a form of bullying a child because or a person because of the body they live in. And then as they get older, we can get more nuance and specific. Sexism is, you know, bullying someone because they're a girl or a boy. Um, Xenophobia is, you know, bullying someone or not liking someone because of the country they're from. And so you become more nuanced in that conversation and it can become really organic and natural because you've already set the tone for it. And I think bullying with kids is just natural and you don't have to be so creative. It's already like half done for you. Um, and so I like that because we all have a lot enough to do because you're supposed to read all the books to the kids. You're supposed to have time to reflect or make sure they eat the green things. They're supposed to be clean. They're supposed to do the chores. I guess so many things. So do some stuff, save yourself some time, just pull from that. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go 
go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions. FreshStartFamilyOnline.com forward slash firm and kind. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And the replacement verbiage is such a great action step that I, that I think so many listeners of this show, because they're familiar, familiar with what we teach in the positive parenting curriculum, is like, instead of just saying, don't do that, say, hey, here's what I do want you to do. Here's what um, I've learned. Here's what mom and dad are working on modeling. Um, and I'm gonna replace this word with this word, right? Um, yeah, just just a, a few weeks ago, I was filming a video for my business and, um, and I used the word ghetto. And my amazing mentor called me out and she was like, that's right. Ra- Ooh, that's, uh, that's racist. Don't, you know, I think you need to, to fix that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. And I shared that with my children. And I said, Hey, if I want to refer to a, a, a an app, like a dark place where rats may be, I'm going to say a dark place where rats may be. I'm not, I don't need to say ghetto that has nothing to do with that. So I realized I was wrong and I'm replacing that. And so if you would like to talk about that, refer to that something that is not, degrading or, you know, um, and, but I like that idea of actually giving your children a replacement, uh, verbiage and letting them know what you do want instead of just telling them that they're wrong or that they're bad for saying something that's really beautiful. Yeah. And I love that point, Wendy, because really, as we build our skills and become better at being anti-racist, naming the thing is a good rule of thumb, you know? So like you just said what you meant rather than like trying to use like a special term for it, just say the thing. Like my daughter, she wanted black Black straight straight hair. hair. Yeah. That's, that's what you want. (laughs) You're not getting it. Um, Thank you for sharing. Also not going to be your journey, but you know, it's also listening. So, you know, in that interaction before I told her what the proper language or, um, the more inclusive or more loving way to reference what she wants, I asked her what she meant. Well, I think in many ways this, this actually like uncovers their innocence. It doesn't take away their innocence because underneath all of that, like it was, it was the movie and society and something actually very much more confusing that had her mislabel it in the first place. And then once mm-hmm. you you spent the time with her, it actually unearthed that the innocence was she just wanted black straight hair. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's and she really likes the, this. I feel this like that's kid, the, you know? the more innocent thing. So I mean, on that that's topic, cool. it's like Starts you may me. you may discover um, that that it actually uncovers the innocence instead of taking it away. Um, so our, our next point that we're, that we're going to, we'd love to talk about is, uh, helping children behave as anti-racist starts very early. So talk to us about, um, you, you've already touched a little bit on that. Um, but, but talk to us a little bit about what that looks like from, I guess, the get go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just having a real life that is inclusive and that has, you know, reflections of your values. So say you live in a neighborhood which, you know, a lot of my white, black, you know, a lot of my friends live in very segregated racially communities um, and usually socioeconomically um, segregated as well. And so that looks like going purposely and intentionally to other areas and pointing out the different things that you see and why you're seeing them um, and really normalizing it. It's also the exposure to things that they're going to see on TV and pointing out the differences, even in like things as simple as like a Disney film talking about like, oh, this this child doesn't have shoes. I wonder why. Um, I wonder what that means for her. How would you feel if you were in that situation? And so really starting kids to engage in perspective taking really early on, I think is really crucial because part of what racism does is it it steals our humanity. It makes it that I view someone else as other and my situation as normal. And so what I think the, the saddest part about racism is, is the robbing of our humanity. And so for kids, being able to plant seeds where they 
they can start to take perspective is crucial. Um, but I also think that the other piece, as they continue to get older and older, is just role playing, you know, just giving scenarios, just like, you know, all of us prepare our kids for bedtime. So in five minutes, you're going to go to bed and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. So in the same way, if we go to the playground and you notice that someone's not um, involved or all of the kid, all the girls are playing together and one boy is left out, what would you do? And this is before we go to the playground. Oh, well, I like to do girl stuff, so boys aren't invited. Ew, boys, you know, because they're like four. Um, But then saying, well, you don't know if boys might want to do the things that you like to do. Why does it mean that there's boy and girl stuff? And maybe they're not a boy or a girl. And just like kind of dropping it and leaving it, and you're planting seeds. You know, parenting is a lot about planting seeds. As they get older, you start to prune and grow that tree. But at that young age, you just plant a little seed. So then they go, huh, well, maybe boys and girls or somebody could be neither one and they don't know and then you know a year later they might be like what what did that mean you know that kind of thing well hey there families do you listen to audiobooks on audible by chance if not i want to take a moment to introduce you to audible and share with you why i love them so much so audible is an app that you can download to your smartphone and it allows you to download titles and listen offline and you have access to thousands and thousands of online books and you can do this anytime anywhere and the cool thing is the app is free and you can listen across devices without losing your spot and i I have an opportunity for you to get a free 30-day trial. You can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash audible. And like I said, it's super easy. You can just kind of um, pull up in the search field uh, some of the books that you may have had on your list, but you haven't gotten a chance to get to the library or ordered them from Amazon before. So I know um, here at Fresh Start Family, we have so many of our favorite books listed over on our shop page. FreshStartFamilyOnline.com forward slash recommend. Um, And so sometimes, you know, I like to order my books from Amazon. Other times I like to request them from the library so I can get them for free. And then other times I love to listen to Audible just on the go when I'm in the car or even, you guys, this is a little embarrassing, but it's true. I will put my phone outside when I take a shower or a bath. And um, I just love this idea of like, being able to make time for learning and education and enjoyment, not necessarily finding time to read, but making the time to read and just have enjoyment and relaxation through online books. So go check them out. Some of my favorite books that I know are on Audible is Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. I love that book. I could listen to and read that book like 25 times. I swear, I love it so much. Um, Everybody Always is pretty much my favorite favorite book by Bob Goff. And then also the Bible experience is such a cool audible Bible that you can listen to that has so many cool characters that um, do the readings. Everyone from Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr. to Angela Bassett to LL Cool J. And I just love that audible version of the Bible. So head on over freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash audible, grab your free 30-day trial and try it out. That's an interesting concept um, because I think a lot of parents feel like they have to come to like the whole resolve. They have, everybody has to understand everything right there in that that moment or like you get it, you understand it, good, you know, yeah. good talk type of thing. But right. um, I, I like this under this idea that you could actually just drop a, you know, something for them just to think about for another day and, and think of it as a seed that, you know, will take some time for them. But you were the facilitator to help them think a different way or to help kind of open their eyes a little wider. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the questions that you were just proposing are so important, Dr. Crawford. Um, I love that idea of you just, even if you don't know the answer of being with your child at the park or in school or if the news says something or you hear them say something and asking a question, well, is it really, is it really them it, or is it us? Is it really, yeah. um, you know, are, are, are we sure that that is what that means? It, could it possibly mean something else? Like, you know, like that, those questions that I think I want to encourage listeners that we don't necessarily have to know all the answers to start planting seeds in our, our children's brains that 
there could be a different way that we just are learning, right? So, and those those words, you know, I think we have been learning so much about the us, uh, the them, the, um, you know, different, the other, like those are words that are like, oh, we got some work to do there because we're all, it's us, right? Um, so I love it. Okay. So our point number three, parents are the best people to teach their kids anti-racist behaviors. You've talked so much about this already, but finish us off with just any last words about this point. Yes, I think that so many times parents think, who am I to teach this lesson? Like, I, ooh, I'm not an expert. I don't, I don't know about race. I don't really want to talk about it. I'm a white person. Um, as a black person, I often have to talk about race. Um, I have to talk about it in a different way with my kids. Um, but I think that just in the same way that any value you want your child to have, it is going to be you as the loving source who can have that conversation that is anchored in your family's beliefs. Because if you don't teach your child about racism, the world will. We all have been taught about racism, prejudice, and bias by the world in the TV we watch and our exposures. And I personally think that it, it's crucial that, our, that parents are the ones that have those important conversations with their kids. Yes, this makes me think of just modeling so much too, right? It's like, yes, we, we, we all, I'm hoping by listening to Dr. Crawford that everyone that listens is like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E this week, right? And I think what I hear from this is just the importance of modeling too, right? Oh, Which I is the hardest and the most important. So really being committed to, you know, bettering yourself and, and learning, catching yourself and finding your blind spots and and inviting um, people with different color skin into your home for dinner or going into the neighborhoods like you talked about, but really just you practicing is actually going to be so much the best teacher, right? Would you agree? Then what we tell our children to do. <laughs> exactly. And that's what the research shows is that kids, when they're asked about their beliefs, about race, about prejudice, about anything in regards to other people in the world, they don't echo the things their parents tell them. They echo the things that their parents do. And so their parents might not say, we don't go to that school over there because that's the school for the black kids. They just learn it. You know, and anyone who is a parent knows how when you are not expecting it, your kids are copying you yes. in ways that um, you really may not want them to. Like the other day I was on the phone and I've been, you know, my kids are hearing like 10,000 therapy words a day right now and being yes. home with me. And um, I was on the phone and I was holding my baby and I said, oh, that's just ridiculous. And he looked up at me and said, ridiculous. <laughs> One and a half. He's soaking all this stuff up. How did he say like this three syllable word? Um, and so our kids are constantly learning and they will learn by every single thing that you do. So, you know, when I think about being an anti-racist, it's living a value-driven life and your kids will follow that. Yes. I love that. Value-driven life. That, that's huge. And I think there's there's two um, people, parents tend to like avoid certain things because they think somehow... Um, they're supposed to be all put together here at home. But like, this is our place to like practice. This is our, our, our yeah. place to get messy. And like you said, if we don't, um, if we don't have those talks, if we don't kind of get into it here, they for sure are going to get it out there. And, um, and we've seen how the world has gotten things wrong over and over again. So here's our chance to actually like, just be vulnerable and, um, and and dive into this, but you know that's uh, yeah. that's our encouragement on on so many subjects here at Fresh Start Family is is like just you know life at home is not going to be perfect. It's yeah. going to be messy, and um, but you can still you know stand for something amazing um, within your home and and really rub off on your kids i think that's what we're you know what we're trying to say is is like like you said whether you realize it or not they're they're watching they're mimicking and a lot of times they want to be like you even though like our kids are probably would never admit that <laughs> our, kids <are> nine and, <laughs> our kids are nine and 12 now so our tweet is like you know she acts like you know I'm, i don't want to be like mom she's like my spitting image but then you know you're you watch her out in the world and you're like whoa that's crazy she's exactly like me yeah she's but, like my clone yes. yeah. 
But I love, you know, this is such an important point, I think, to end off on. And it is something that over and over time, uh, again, we focus on here at Fresh Start Family. Again, a lot of times in my, my membership program. But it's like those times when, you know, your kids say something and you're like, I can't believe you just said that. Or you're just being disrespectful or you can't have an attitude and you're tempted to tell them how to be different and what to do. I always say that the best place to start is just to check yourself and say, yes, sometimes they learn it in the world. Yes, that does happen, right? Like your little girl mm-hmm. with the, you know, watching that show is a great example. Um, but it's it's also so much of it in my experience as a positive parenting educator and family life coach. So much of it is is the mimicking of the behavior. And that is hard as parents to, to take and just know that it's not something to be shameful about. It's a beautiful signal that our children are like little angels to us. They point things out if you have an open heart and you're willing to receive it. But what a what a wonderful, you know, message to to hear that, oh, I've got something to work on because if my children have said that, then that means I'm saying it. Like I'm I'm probably showing them somehow because they are our mirrors. They are our little apples from the apple tree. And as hard as that is, it's I think it's it's one of the most powerful places we can start. And and other people become so easier influence when you're not pressuring them to change, but instead you're just saying, hey, I'm committed to changing and catching myself and um, and that I know that's going to teach you the most without even having to teach. So I love it. All right, Dr. Crawford. Well, um, tell us where can listeners find you and support your work? What can we do to is there um, a place we can we can donate or like what give us some action steps as we leave now because I know families are just going to be so fired up to support your work and um, just to just to be behind you and everything that you're doing out in the world. Thank you. Yeah. So my website, um, Crawford, Dr. Dana Crawford, Dana is spelled D-A-N-A, uh, Crawford, just like it sounds, uh, like the supermodel. Um, so Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dana Crawford.com. I'm on Instagram, Dr. Dana Crawford. I'm on Twitter, Dana Crawford, PhD. Um, and I also have Venmo if you're looking for somewhere to, to send some money. Um, nice. Dr. Dana Crawford there too. So um, yeah, we're out here. I'm doing this work um, and I come to all spaces that I'm invited to to have these conversations gosh you are such a blessing to the world thank you for spending your time with us this morning and um, listeners go check out Dr. Crawford I I will make sure we link everything in the show notes page so easy clicks you guys Um, you can head on over there and just find Dr. Crawford make sure you support her follow her donate and um what a, what a great episode. I feel, I'm yeah. like smiling ear to ear and just feel so humbled and honored that we get to do this, Terry. <laughs> I, I love the guests that, we, that we're getting on here. This is, this is incredible and such a, um, a huge topic. Um, I know it feels like just right now, but it's, it's for here. It's forever. Yeah. Forever. So, um, I'm just excited at the ripple effect that's, um, going down right now among somebody, um, who's listening to this and decides to do something different in their home. To, to create a, a better, yeah, mm-hmm. to give a damn and, and yeah. create a better tomorrow. So thank you for uh, helping facilitate that. Thank you all for the honor and the privilege of your time. Take care. For links and more information about everything we discussed in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 58. Well, hey guys, I want to talk to you for a minute about grocery getting. (laughs) Do you guys order your groceries online or do you prefer to go in the store? I know for me, one of the biggest shifts that has helped me kind of make more time in my life is finding an online grocer that I trust and respect and scheduling automatic deliveries to come to my home. And so I have been using Thrive Market and I really love the products I get from them. I feel like they put a lot of intention to what they put on their shelves. So at the end of the day, I know that what I'm feeding my family is filled with good ingredients and is clean and 
and as natural as can be. So I want you to go check them out. You can get 25% off your first order by heading to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash thrive market. But I think um, if you click their about tab, you'll see that they are just um, doing some really cool things in the world. They have a one for one giving program. They also do a lot of charity and donation work. And I just really like the team behind Thrive. And I just really like the um, ability to have the auto ship where the groceries come every two weeks. So things that you know are going to need to be replenished like toilet paper and spaghetti sauce and pasta and mac and cheese and soap and detergent and all those things that should just kind of show up at your door and not take your time to repurchase every week or two weeks or even every month is just that's something that's been really helpful for me so go check them out freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash thrive market and enjoy 25% off your first order for more information go to freshstartfamilyonline.com thanks for listening families have a great day All right, families, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved recording it for you. It's now time to join the waitlist for our Fresh Start Full Mastery Program that starts in April. When you join the waitlist, you'll get instant access to the No Holds Barred Cheat Sheet, three common fears and beliefs that hold parents back from reaching full fluency as an empowered parent. Plus, you'll get special pricing when the program launches in April. Just head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash full mastery to hop on the wait list now and I'll send you more details. As always, thanks for listening. Please share this episode with friends and family who you think would benefit by either texting them the link or screenshotting and throwing up a story over on Instagram saying why you love this episode. Just be sure to tag me. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy so I can say hello in the DMs and personally thank you for being awesome.